want to invite y'all to grab a seat. Um, you can grab a cup of coffee if you still want to. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the Bibles off one of the tables. And we're going to be in Second Chronicles this morning. Second Chronicles, I know y'all were probably there in your weekly Bible study, a um, place you probably turn to often. Second Chronicles, if you're using one of our Bibles, it'll be page found on page 303. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible, uh, you want to read along, no worries. You can grab one of those Bibles. Um, if you don't have a Bible, um, you don't own one, hey, that's our, our gift to you. Feel free to take that uh, with you um, today. Excited, um, excited to be with y'all, excited about um, just our upcoming um, journey as a church, church family and prayer. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about today. But I actually want to start out uh, just reading, reading the passage, and we're going to come back to it again, and we're actually going to read it a couple more, more times throughout uh, the morning. Um, also, just want to say kind of right off the bat, um, I'm so glad you're here. Um, no matter just where you find yourself um, on your journey, uh, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, uh, this is a place you're welcome. And we're so glad you're here and hope that this can be a place that you come uh, to call home and come to call uh, family as well. So glad you're with us. Second Chronicles uh, chapter seven, verse, verse 14. We're gonna kind of hone in on uh, one verse this morning and then we're gonna kind of um, unpack the, the, the backstory as well. So Second Chronicles seven fourteen, It says, if my people... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's the word of God out of Second Chronicles uh, 7, 14. But before we kind of jump into the word this morning, before we just dive into the scripture uh, like, like we normally do, I actually want to give us a little bit of vision um, about where we're headed as a church family uh, over, over the next uh, month together. Just kind of give you a little uh, bit of vision about where we're going and why we're going there. And so uh, we started a three-week series at the very beginning of the year um, entitled Seek First. Uh, so we're in this three-week series, and we're actually going to be wrapping up the, the series um, this morning. And these three weeks have simply just been a time of preparation. Uh, that's, that's what these three weeks have been, a time of preparation for us as a church family as we get ready to enter into a special uh, season of prayer and fasting. Uh, so if you were with us, Last year, uh, we actually spent uh, a very similar way of starting out our year together in a special season of prayer and fasting. We took four weeks. We took four weeks and we actually spent those Sundays uh, together, all uh, together in the same place. And we're getting ready to enter into a very similar season, but it's gonna be a little bit different. Now, we're actually going to be uh, gathering at our normal times in our uh, normal locations. And so we've been in this three week, and we're going to kind of wrap up that three week time of preparation. Uh, but we're actually going to meet at our regular times and locations for the next, next four weeks as we enter into the season of prayer and fasting together. And it, one of the reasons is we don't only want to grow in our intimacy with God. We, we want to grow in our intimacy uh, with one another. And so we're going to take this journey together um, on a week-to-week basis with the faces that we see week in and week out. And so that's gonna be a little adjustment uh, from last year. But because it's kind of important moving forward uh, for where we're headed, 
I actually want to spend more time than I normally do kind of recapping the last couple of weeks. I want to just kind of rewind and kind of refresh our hearts and refresh our minds about where we were the last couple of weeks and how we've been preparing, preparing our hearts. And so if you haven't been with us, this will be a great little catch up for you. But if you remember the first week that we gathered this year, we took time and we were just kind of looking at our priorities, looking at our priorities as the people of God. And so we looked at this passage from Matthew 6, and we looked at the words of Jesus and him saying, hey, seek first, seek first my kingdom. Seek first God. With every, every fiber of your being, seek me first. And so we kind of began asking the question, hey, what, what, what are our priorities? Uh, we began kind of looking at our hearts saying, okay, what, what are our priorities, both personally and, and communally? So we're asking ourselves this question. I think we begin to discover the fact that when God is not our first priority, when he's not our first priority, when we're not seeking him first, he quickly becomes our second, our third, our fourth, our fifth, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. And so we took some time on a heart level saying, hey, what, what are your priorities? What are my priorities? What is it I'm seeking after? And then last week, uh, we took time and we began to look at the pathway. Okay, if we want to be a people that seek God first, what is the pathway to get there? And we began to uncover that the pathway begins and ends with our hearts. The pathway always begins and always ends with our hearts. And so we looked at this passage from Joel where he says, hey, open up your hearts to me. Rend your hearts to me. Return to me with all of your hearts. And why does God ask for our heart? Why does it always seem to begin and end with our heart? And I think God knows when he gets our heart, everything else is gonna come with it. And so we spent the first couple of weeks in this season of preparation, kind of looking introspectively at our lives, taking time to just really examine uh, examine our hearts. And if you haven't yet, you're thinking, I haven't really done that. Don't worry, you still have time. But the reason we've spent, um, just kind of on a personal level, looking at our hearts, examining our own hearts, is because we know if revival is going to happen out there, like if revival is gonna happen out there, it first has to happen in here. If, if we want to go communally somewhere, we first have to, go there as an individual. If we want to ask God, hey, God, will you just awaken us? Will you awaken us as a church family to, to the depths of your love? We first have to be willing to allow God to awaken us individually. Allow God to awaken us on a personal heart level as his son, as his daughter. But but, and this is what I love, but when a group of people, when a group of people, when you look at the story of God, when a group of people kind of each in their own unique, unique way offer their heart over to God, something, something significant happens. When a group of people just humble their hearts before God, something significant happens. And so I wanna read our text again, Second Chronicles verse 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves 
will pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So something I think that is just a pretty natural human tendency, something that I think we might all agree on, is that when we find ourselves facing hard things, we tend to ask the question, is it worth it? You know, whenever we find ourselves facing hard things in hard moments, we kind of tend to ask ourselves, okay, is this really, is this really worth it? Like, am I gonna get a return on my investment here? I can remember going to a small island in college called Seba. Actually, I wonder if Myron's here. He's from Seba. I don't think he is this morning. But in college, a group of students, we all went to this tiny island called Seba. And it's five square miles wide, so it's not very big, but it's really rocky. And so it's actually pretty tall and very, very hilly. Uh, and one of our days there on the island of Seba, we actually were going to spend time hiking up uh, to the very, very top of the island, the very kind of top of this um, small mountain, if you will. And so uh, we're, we're kind of arriving at the day and people are letting us know, hey, if you take this hike, it's going to get you to the very top and it's going to be one of the best views that you've ever seen. And so if you get to the top, they say, hey, you're actually gonna be able to see for, for a few miles long, and you're actually gonna be able to see two or three other islands uh, in the distance. It's gonna be this really amazing view. But uh, uh, there are quite a few steps and trails that you have to hike up in order, in order to get there. Um, me and physical activity, uh, we're not exactly like friends. We're not completely enemies, but we're not exactly friends. And so we start taking this journey and we're hiking up there and about halfway up the mountain, I'm kind of wondering to myself, like, okay, like, is this actually going to be worth it? Like, if I continue on this journey and we get to the top and we get to this view that we're, that we're supposed to be able to see, is like our time spent doing this actually going to pay off? Is it going to be worth it? We made it. It was worth it. It's still one of the best views that I've ever seen at the top of this amazing mountain. And this is actually true in, I think, a lot of other areas of our life. I've never played football before. Um, I know that's probably a surprise to you, the physical, physical specimen that I am. Um, shocking with my stature that I've never played football. But I had friends um, growing up, Brandon actually played football, so he could tell you a little more about it. But there's this thing called two-a-days. Uh, and in two-a-days, it's practice in the middle of the summer. And, you know, 95-degree heat, depending on where you live, humid, and you're not only practicing once, but you're, you're practicing in the morning and then you're coming back and you're practicing again. That's hence the name, two-a-days. And I can remember my friends telling me like how grueling and how difficult like two-a-days actually were. And they were kind of asking themselves the question, okay, our coach says, hey, this is gonna be worth it when we hit the season. Like this is gonna be worth it when we get to what we're aiming for. Uh, but they were asking that question, is it really? Like, is it, is it really worth it? Some of you college students, you find yourselves in the middle of midterms, you find yourself in the middle of exams, uh, studying at 2 a.m. in the morning, and you're like, okay, student loans piling up, I'm studying at 2 a.m., is this really, is this really worth it? You know, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to get this job, is this job, once I graduate, you know, is it worth it? And we can go on and on and on with the examples. But we find ourselves kind of in this uh, season of preparation, and during this, during this month, the last few weeks, 
Uh, we've been doing uh, just the hard work of working on our hearts. And often the, the heart work that we do is the hard work. And beginning next week, we're gonna be stepping into a season of prayer and fasting. And some of us are gonna kind of be looking at the bottom of the hiking trail, knowing the possible view that's coming at the end of it. And we're asking ourselves, okay, is this worth it? Like, is this hard work going to be worth it? And today we're, we're actually gonna be kind of answering that question together. Gonna, should we take this step? Should we take our next step with God? Will, will it be worth it? And so we find ourselves in the middle of this story this morning, Second Chronicles. It's actually the story of the people of God, but specifically a man named Solomon. And we find ourselves in this moment where Solomon, he's done a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work, a lot of foundation has been laid up to this moment. It's in the middle of this story that God, he comes to Solomon. He comes to Solomon and he begins to answer the question that we're gonna be wrestling with today. And what God's saying here in this story is nothing that he hasn't said before. It's find ourselves in a place that the people of God have been in time in and time out. So here in Chronicles, the Israelites had once again kind of forgotten God. He had not been their first priority. They had not put him first. And what we read here, what we just read, is God's response to a king that has been praying, that has been requesting for the presence of God to come and to fill his people. You see, Solomon, who's God, who God is responding to in this moment, he was a, he's a man just passionate about God. He was not only passionate about God, but he was passionate about his people knowing God. And so Solomon, he takes, just a little bit of backstory here, he takes 20 years to build this temple. And so he builds this temple in hopes that God's people would encounter God's presence. And Solomon, he had just finished the season of preparation, a pretty long one. He just finished building the temple. And he asked God, he, he asked God in the chapters before this, he says, God, will you fill this temple? Like, God, will your presence come down and dwell amongst us? And I think Solomon knows, he, he knows this temple is no good. Our people are no good without God, without the presence of God in this place and in our lives. We're no good. We need him leading us. We need him guiding us. We need him directing us. We need him blessing us. And so it's in this moment that we find ourselves God responding to Solomon's prayer, Solomon's request for his presence. And we encounter this if and then statement from God. I don't know if you notice that. Verse 14 starts out, he says, if. And then the second part of the sentence. And anytime you're reading the word of God, anytime you're in the scripture and you, and you see an if and then statement, it just kind of like perks your ears up. You kind of want to, okay, what, what's going on here? You want to pay attention to that? And honestly, the first few times that I was reading uh, this, this text uh, this week, I kind of found myself a little bit perplexed. Um, I, I was like asking, okay, wait a second. Like, the, there seems to be some like conditions here. 
if and then, an if statement. I'm like, God, what, what are you doing here? And I realized, I was like, oh, how my, my human Western mindset will so quickly go to this idea, to this thought that, ah, this isn't, this isn't really fair, God. Like, this isn't really fair that this is how you're gonna choose to operate. But through conversation with a number of friends this week and conversations with God, I began to realize a truth and I was kind of confusing two things. God's love, his love is unconditional. I mean, you read this and you realize God's love is absolutely unconditional. It never wavers. You never have to doubt how much God loves you. I never have to doubt how much God loves me. There is no question about it ever. But though God's love is unconditional, sometimes the blessing of walking with God is conditional. God's love, unconditional. But sometimes the blessing of walking with God is conditional. I think we see that here in this story. But it's, you're thinking, okay, Andrew, that's, that's Old Testament, like, that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense here. You actually go and you read the New Testament and you see this is true then. Jesus in Luke 11, paraphrasing here, he says, hey, if you will read my word, if you will hear my words and you put it into action, then, you, then you're gonna receive the blessing of walking with me. If you, if you hear, hear the words and you don't put them into action, you're, you're not gonna receive the blessing. And so the blessing of walking with God's never gonna be forced upon us. It's a choice. It's something that comes when we choose to seek him first. When we choose to give him our heart, give him all of our heart. And it seems like often the blessing of the hard work comes after we've laid our heart on the line before him. And so I want us to look at this passage in two parts. We already kind of broke them down. But first, I want to look at God's invitation for us to participate. Really amazing invitation for us to participate in what God's doing. And then we're going to look at the blessing. The blessing from God that flows through that participation with him. And so God invites his first part to do four things. Four things. He says to humble yourselves. Humble yourselves to pray to seek his face and to repent. God says, hey, humble yourself. Call on my name. Seek my face. Turn away. Turn away from anything that is getting in the way of mine and your friendship. So this first thing, to humble yourself. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does it mean to take a posture of humility? God, he's saying, hey, I'm inviting you to take a posture of humility before me, which I think is so counterintuitive to the posture of our human nature, um, maybe the posture of our culture. I think our tendency is so often to want to, want to be right, to want to be first, to, to, want, to, to want to be the, be the best, the most important. And God says, no, I, I'm actually gonna invite you to, to humble yourself. And the definition that kind of caught my eye this week kind of, pricked my heart was this uh, posture of submission. To humble yourself is, is a posture of submission. And I've actually heard it another way. To humble yourself is not to think less of yourself, 
But to humble yourself is actually to think more of the people around you. There's a little bit of a difference there. So God's not saying, hey, think of yourself as lowly. Like, think of yourself as just poor and pitiful. He says, no, I want you to think more of me. He says, I want you to put me above yourself. He says, I want you to humble yourself in my presence, acknowledging that I am holy, that I am perfect, that I am worthy of your affection, I'm worthy of your devotion. And that is part of what we're gonna be doing in this uh, season of prayer and fasting, is us just saying to God, hey, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves in your presence, God. We, we submit our lives to you. You are, you are greater than we could ever imagine. You are better than we could ever imagine. God, you are worthy of our affection. Second and third thing he invites us into. He says to pray and seek his face. To pray and to seek his face. So we aren't just gonna simply be fasting from things to just prove to ourselves and, and others that, that we can do it. No, fasting is not merely this act of self-deprivation, but it's more of a spiritual discipline seeking the fullness of God seeking more of God's fullness in our life. Which means, hey, we should have a plan in place. We should have a plan in place for what positive pursuit we're gonna put in place of whatever it is that we're giving up. We should have something in place for that time that we're gonna, we would spend watching TV, that time we would spend on social media, that time we would spend eating. He says, oh, I don't want you to actually just let go of some things. It's not about simply just letting go of some things. It's about leaning into some other things. And fourth thing he says, he says, turn from your wicked ways, repent. God, he's inviting us here. He's inviting us to just fully examine our lives. He's inviting us to just kind of lay our heart on the line, lay our life on the line and just say, hey, is there anything that is offensive to you here? Is there anything that does not line up uh, with your will for my life? Is there anything that I'm uh, doing, God, that isn't pleasing to you? And for the longest time, I, I kind of had a wrong impression of what repentance was. For, for the longest time, I thought repentance was simply just feeling sorry, like just feeling sorry for, for something I had done or a, a way that I had sinned. And what I've begun to realize is it's not simply just feeling sorry like for what you've done, but it's caring enough to turn the other way and stop doing it. So God's asking us, hey, are you willing to make a U-turn? Like, are you willing to stop doing whatever it is that you're doing that's keeping you from me and start walking in a different direction. For the longest time, uh, Keila and I have been married. Um, early on, uh, I would uh, forget to tell her things that should be on the calendar. Uh, so I would uh, forget to inform her about you know, important dates or important things that we were gonna be a part of. And so there would be this moment um, when I would be like, oh, shoot. Um, 
I forgot to tell you, actually, this Saturday, we're gonna be going, we, we gotta be here. I, I don't know how I forgot to tell you, but I'm, I'm really sorry. You know, it was that moment every time where you're like, oh, um, yeah, so-and-so, they just had a baby. I forgot to tell you, um, I should have. I'm so sorry. And almost weekly, maybe daily, if you asked her, there was this moment when I would be apologizing for not telling her something that I should have. And so there's this moment I realized, okay, I'm not really that sorry. Like, you know, I say I'm sorry, and then it keeps happening over and over and over and over and over and over again. So this moment happened where I said, oh, I'm actually gonna have to change some of the things I'm doing. I'm gonna have to change the way I'm behaving to actually show you that I'm sorry for, 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 the way I've, for the way I've been. So repenting is not merely just saying sorry. It's saying, hey, God, I'm willing to, I'm willing to change things to pursue a relationship with you. So he invites us, hey, he says, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, repent. And real quickly, repenting is not being perfect from that point on. You can ask Keilah, I still forget things. He says, if you do these things, if you do these things, then, he says, these are some of the blessings that are at stake if you're willing to let go of some things and willing to lean into some others. He says, then here are some of the blessings that are at stake. If you let go of some of your old patterns, if you let go of some of your old ways of thinking and you begin to lean into a life of prayer and seeking my face, he says, here here are the blessings that will begin to flow. And of course, this is not an all-encompassing list. You can't put God in a box. Like We're just gonna talk about the ones we see here in 2 Chronicles. But it's interesting because the first couple of these blessings are actually gonna be for the church and his people. And then the third blessing, the third blessing is gonna be for the people around them. So the first two blessings, first one, he says, you will hear from heaven. You will hear from heaven. You get God's undivided attention. You get an audience with God. He says, hey, when you humble yourself and you turn to me, really amazing things start to happen. A a relationship begins to form and you get an audience with the creator of the universe. You get an audience with the creator of the universe. It's pretty amazing. Let that sink in for a moment. Like the same God that created the heavens and the earth, the same God that created the, the sunset you see at the beach, the same God that gave us the snow last week that we got to see, the same God who dreamt up the Rocky Mountains is a God that you get to speak to, that you get to listen to, that you get to commune with. And when you have an audience with God, you don't need an audience with anyone else. When you have an audience with God, you don't need an audience with anyone else. It's the first blessing. The second blessing is that he will forgive our sins. That's what he tells us. He says, hey, I'll forgive your sins. Now, I don't know about you, but I take this blessing for granted. I do. We're probably taking it for granted right now. It's like, oh yeah, okay. He forgives our sins. Let's move on to the next one. We take this blessing for granted all the time. That's the fact that he says, hey, in my eyes, you're good. Like, 
because of what Jesus has done, like you're good. I'm convinced that if we all had pen and paper right now and I said, hey, take 10 minutes, write down, write down every, every area in your life that you've ever sinned. Write down every place that you've ever messed up. Write down everything that you've ever done wrong, all, all the way back from the time you were first born. And not, not as a way to, to, to shame us at all. That's not, that's not what God does. But I think if we all begin to actually do that, the weight, the weight of this gift that God has given us will begin to come alive in our heart. Because there is, there is no greater peace. There is no greater peace than the peace that we have from life with Jesus. There's no greater peace than a life that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. Because in Jesus, he says, you're good. You're righteous. And if you're thinking, hey, this isn't that great a gift, you've probably never experienced the true, just amazing grace of God. That's the first blessing, second blessing, then the third blessing, where he says, I'm actually gonna bless the people around you. It says, hey, I'm gonna heal your land, which to us, it doesn't really make a lot of sense unless you know the context of what's happening here. So the Israelites, the people of God, were not the only ones living in this land now. Foreigners had come there. Other people had gathered. And so God tells them, hey, you know, I'm not only gonna bless you, but I'm actually gonna bless the people around you. Here's something I was just uncovering this week. When the church decides to get right with God, it blesses the culture around them. God doesn't just bless the church, but the culture. And God is revealing to us that when we get right with God, when the people of God get right with God, he's gonna begin to bless a culture that is in desperate need of healing. Desperate need of healing. I don't know if you flipped on the news, I don't know if you've flipped through tw Twitter like recently, but man, is our world not in desperate need of the healing of God. The racism, the sexism, the elitism, and on and on and on it goes. You look and you see a world that is in desperate need of God's healing hand. I love the story of Charles Finney. Charles Finney, a man actually in the 1800s. Um, he was a pastor and lawyer and he was in New York City. Um, if you have free time, go back and uh, read, read the story of Charles Finney. Um, he and six other people in New York City decided they were gonna spend their lunch break in prayer. They saw the brokenness of the world around them. They saw the brokenness of their city and they began to spend each lunch break simply just praying. So they would get together and they would ask God to forgive their sins and they would ask God to forgive the sins of their city. It's pretty amazing over the span of, I'm not exactly sure how much time, 100,000 people in New York City came to know Christ. Revival broke out. Revival broke out in the city and it's all traced back to six people who willingly humbled themselves, who sought the face of God on behalf of not only themselves, but on behalf of their city. 
This is the ripple effect of God's blessing. If you humble yourself, if you give God your heart, he will, he will make you a conduit of his blessing. He says, if my people who I call by my name, if they will do the hard work of heart work, I will radically bless them and I will bless the culture around them. So over the next month, uh, over the next month, we get to decide, hey, are, are we gonna do and participate in the hard journey for the greater blessing? You know, it's the moment we're kind of standing at the bottom of the hill, bottom of the mountain. We know it's a, up top, deciding, hey, are we gonna take a step? Are we gonna start stepping into what God has for us. In any, many ways, this is gonna feel hard, like giving up some things, leaning into some things, kind of rearranging uh, our lives a little bit over the next four weeks. And so I wanna frame it around uh, a couple of questions, a couple of questions for us to kind of wrestle with now and into communion and into this next season. I wanna ask you, what are the things that you are letting go of? As we enter into the season, what are the things that you're gonna be letting go of? The second question, what are gonna be the things that you're leaning into? So what is God calling you to let go of? Is there um, some sin in your life that you need to confess and move on from and let go of? Do you need to let go of a habit that's getting in the way of you and your friendship with God? What is it that you need to let go of in this season, but also, what is God calling you to lean into? Will this be the month? Will this be the month that you, you start spending time with him in prayer? Like, will this be the month that you carve out time every day to be with him? I wanna highlight something that's gonna be available online. It's the, the daily prayer guide. It's gonna be a 30-day prayer guide that, that we're gonna put up online. It's gonna be um, on social media as well. Um, and in this prayer guide, each and every day uh, of our journey together, it's gonna have a scripture, it's gonna have a thought, and it's gonna have some specific ways that we can be praying together as a church family. Will you join in on the fasting journey? Will you lean into this, this journey of fasting? Some of you think, I, I don't know, I've never even fasted before. It's honestly kind of scary and intimidating. I actually wanna highlight another resource it's gonna be online that I really wanna encourage if you're gonna be participating in the fast to read this before you do. Uh, questions about, hey, what does this look like to do healthily? Uh, where's my heart at in this process? Hey, I have some health concerns that I, I, need, to, I need to figure out in the midst of this. Uh, however it is that you're gonna be fasting, I, I wanna invite you to go online and, and download this ebook. It's called A Short Conversation on Fasting for Beginners Like Me. And if you hate reading, there's actually a audiobook as well. Um, all the resources are gonna be online. And what I wanna invite you into, what we're gonna be stepping into, is just for you to take your next step in this season. Not take your spouse's next step, not take the next step of your friend, not take the next step um, of someone else in your house church, I just wanna invite you to take your next step.
And you can kind of figure that out by answering those two questions. What do I need to let go of? And what do I need to lean into? And so I wanna pray for us, and we're actually gonna go to communion uh, and be kind of discussing these questions uh, over communion as well. So let's all pray together. If you feel comfortable, grab the hand of the person next to you. Um, If not, cough on it, it's cool, they'll get the message. Father, we, um, man, we're just thankful for, for life available in you. God, I thank you for just creating us. I just thank you for every person in this place this morning. Um, just the unique stories and uh, the, the unique just wirings, the way that you've uh, made each and every person so different is just so awesome. Um, Father, I just ask you, if there's anything that I said that is not of you or from you, uh, Lord, that you would just help us forget it. Holy Spirit, that you would just take take it away from our hearts and our minds. Lord, if there is something, though, um, that you are speaking directly to us, you are speaking directly to someone here this morning, I would just ask that by uh, the power of your Spirit, you would not let it leave. You would not let it quickly be snatched away, uh, but you would uh, begin really speaking uh, more deeply into that Father. Lord, we know that we, um, we are here because of your grace and your mercy. I'm excited, Father, just about um, this journey um, as, as a church family. Uh, will you guide our steps? Uh, we know that all good things, all blessings flow from you. And Lord, will you, um, in your grace and your mercy, just exceed our expectation of what we think is, is possible with you. Lord, um, yeah, just ask for you to guide our steps. Um, will you highlight what it is that we need to let go of and where it is that you're inviting us to, to lean into um, this season? Uh, Father, it is in your name we pray. Together as a whole church, we say, amen.